but goodness, Jennifer, that was, uh, that's significant. I mean, you just described a cycle right there. And at some point we've got to get to the core of it. I know for me, uh, Jennifer, in that it, it becomes a faith issue, which is what we're talking about here. And, and is, do I have faith that it can be done outside of my own power, which gosh, that's, that's devastating to think it's only me. It's all I got to rely on. That's pretty lonely. Where's my God? Where are the people that God provides? Uh, there are other, t- I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not Superman. Welcome to The Ziegler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and I'm here to inspire your true performance. From the framework established by Zig Ziegler, one of the top motivators and personal development leaders our world has ever known, who believed we could all be more, do more, and have more. How? Improve ourselves, beginning with how we think about ourselves. So today, let's break down some personal development. Do you see it coming? In this show, I hearken back to show 643 with Carrie Newhoff, where we discussed his message, didn't see it coming, overcoming the seven greatest challenges that no one expects and everyone experiences. We got just a lot of good feedback on that show. And I realized that half the battle or more is simply becoming aware of what is coming that we don't see, just like the title, uh, didn't see it coming. So I wanted to hear from you your real life stories. So I asked this question on Facebook from the list below, which area that everyone experiences to a degree do you feel is most challenging for you and why? And this is the list of the seven greatest challenges from Carrie's book, cynicism, compromise, disconnection, irrelevance, pride and narcissism, emptiness, burnout. The responses were incredibly candid and while diverse overlapping, Michelle Prince joined me to talk through as many of the comments as we could. And we were just touched and truly inspired. So we'll kick off after I share some great resources with you. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, here then, Michelle Prince and I review your comments to the greatest challenges you might be facing. 
All right, Michelle. Well, this is a great list of things to ponder. And even as you and I are sitting here prepping, yeah, I've already got more thoughts on some of these thoughts. Now I deal with that one too. And I deal with that one too. So I think it'll help us to flesh it out. Even as we think about for ourselves, as we read down through these, as always incredible comments. I agree. Cause I, I'm already thinking I can relate to many of them. <laughs> I am too. Well, and that's, and that's Carrie, you know, Carrie Newhoff who, who authored the book, didn't see it come and talking about these things. And that's what he said. We all bump up against some of these, you know, for some of us, this one's not a big deal. It's easy to, easy to turn from or not fall into, but generally we're going to gravitate towards one and we don't want to be, well, you know, didn't see it coming. We don't want to find ourselves in there. And, and Michelle, I'll tell you in the main interview, I, I think I talked in the intro. I said, no, none of us set out to be this. You know, we don't make a goal of, you know what? I think someday I want to be irrelevant. Um, but we, <laughs> or I want to be burned out. <laughs> I want to be burned out, but we wake up there. Uh, and so I, again, that's why I was enamored with Carrie's book and with his message. Well, Hey, I'll just, uh, I'll just dive in here. Um, Gregory says I am picking number three, which is disconnection. Many times, most times, I'm the inviter for events, gatherings, coffees, runs, and general hangouts, uh, though rarely the invitee, uh, at least for in-person. I deeply enjoy social gatherings, and I remain connected to family. That's a priority, plus others through my podcast, which are also designed to build connectivity among others. Uh, but it's somewhat of a Bermuda Triangle in there. And, you know, Michelle, I, when I first thought about that, I, I went through a time of feeling like I was, you know, I'm the introvert, but I knew the power of connection and it was getting a guys group together. And I've met with a group of guys every week for, I don't know, 15 years now, though some of the guys have changed out in there. And there was a time too. And I felt like, man, I'm the one putting this together. And I got irritated uh, at one point, but then I thought, well, it always takes somebody to do that. They're busy. And how many times do I have people asking me stuff that I say no to? And I, I guess the some, you know, there is some role aspect in that of we're in a place these days where people aren't doing as many social things. So thank God for the inviter. Absolutely. You know, I had a period of my life where I, I was just like Gregory. I was, in, you know, inviting people, creating things, always having a fun activity to do, especially just out of college in my early 20s. And then I, I think I woke up one day and realized, wait a minute, what, what some, you know, within some groups of my friends, like, wait, if I didn't make the call, would they, <laughs> you know? And, exactly. And so it does make you think a little bit, but now in my um, later years and, and I so appreciate, I have a, a group of friends that they're, they're always reaching out, always saying, Hey, you want to go for a walk or, Hey, you want to go do this? Or you want to get together? And I so, so appreciate it because um, my role has changed through the years and I'm definitely not the inviter as much as um, the invitee. And, and so I so appreciate those inviters. Yeah. It's interesting though, on that disconnection, just, uh, you know, that's the message we consistently hear about our culture that we're more and more connected, you know, social media and stuff, but not at a true level of connection. And people are feeling more disconnection. Well, uh, you know, Johnny Ferris here, he says uh, number four, that's irrelevance. He mm -hmm. says, if I'm fighting a thought, it's feeling irrelevant. I can bust it hard and keep grinding, but then that doubt creeps up and I begin to question what impact my actions have on anything. This comes in waves. Staying positive is difficult during these times. It's a struggle to keep that in check. Mm. Thanks for the admission, Johnny. That's, um, 
That's a hard one. To me, it, it really goes in, in conjunction a lot with disconnection. I think people, you know, when they're not connected socially, you can feel irrelevant. And then we're seeing that so much in the workplace. And, and you know this so well, uh, Michelle, where people are not finding fulfillment in their work. And it's just the day to day. It's Groundhog Day, you know, the, the famous movie that I, I like so much, but where you get to feeling, well, yeah, what does it, what does it matter? That's a deep right. one. It is a deep one. And I think most people have that feeling from time to time, some more than others, but yeah, you know, uh, in fact, I, I was just on a phone call recently and, and somebody saying something like, you know, who am I, or, you know, I'm just this person, or I'm only a stay at home mom, or I'm only a this or that. And it's like, well, no, I mean, you are relevant, you, but that, I think we go there sometimes and it's a very, very easy feeling. And that's just, but that's why we have to renew our minds every day, right? <laughs> that's why we have to listen to podcasts and read books. And- You're totally right. Because if I let myself go there as grandiose as I may think my efforts and influence and impact is, you know, I also go back to Solomon in the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun. You know, no. things are going to go on without me, but I just have to, for me, it becomes a faith issue and I have to trust what God puts in front of me today. And that I'm to do that. I'm not responsible for everybody's outcome, but I have a purpose here and bah, that's a, well, we could go too far down that one. Yeah. <laughs> I might get depressed if I do. All right. Jennifer says here, she says, wow, pride hands down. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boss recently described me as being a lone wolf. I never asked for help, never socially or professionally. I think in an attempt to appear like I've got it all together. Uh, meanwhile, I'm, I'm drowning in most situations. I also have a hard time accepting criticism because it wounds my stupid pride. Uh, boo, I hate this question. Uh, and then somebody asked her, she said, why do you feel like you're drowning? And Jennifer went on to say, the more I don't ask for help, the further I fall behind in knowledge of the job or competence, which leads to self-doubt, which leads to me resigning and bouncing to a new job. And then the cycle starts again. That's significant. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. So that's tying a few of them together though, right? So uh, that's Tell me, tell me. You know, that the pride which leads to then not feeling like the irrelevance which which is when you you're like, "Well, forget it. It's just I mean, yeah. and then you move on to the next." I, I think that's a pretty common pattern too. <laughs> it it is. And my goodness, when, you know, and her talking about going it alone and then things pile up. I yeah. consistently find myself in that situation. A lot of it for me is impatience because it takes time to delegate to teach to go mm-hmm. on, but you've got to do that. But the time in between, I will fall into impatience and self-sufficiency. Yeah. I'm the same way. I wonder if there's something to that for entrepreneurs, because we are essentially set up to be a little bit more alone. Well, especially in the beginning of starting a business. And maybe that's, you know, we're just so used to it. But, Cause I have that same tendency, Kevin. <laughs> sure. And then it's also our baby. Uh, you know, yeah. if I conceived of it, I'm the vision for it, man, it's hard to, to delegate mm. it out there, but then you are so hamstrung with how much you can do. And that is a bane of my existence. And I I'm working hard literally right now at teams in different areas and just throwing money at it, uh, really mm-hmm. try to make it happen better than I have done in the past. But goodness, the Jennifer, that was, uh, that's significant. I mean, you just described a cycle right there. And at some point we've got to get to the core of it. I know for me, uh, Jennifer, in that it, it becomes a faith issue, which is what we're talking about here. And, and is, do I have faith that it can be done outside of my own power, which gosh, that's, that's devastating to think it's only me. It's all I got to rely on. That's pretty lonely. Where's my God? Where are the people that God provides? Uh, there are other, t- I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not Superman, but there's, there's some deep roots there. Mm-hmm. 
For sure. Thank uh, you for sharing that, Jennifer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Lindsay here. Well, Lindsay Washington says number two, which is compromise. I have the hardest time compromising with people and it's something I've worked on my whole life. Primarily it's because I have this mentality that if something is going to be done, I want to be in control the whole way. It's not really a pride thing, but more so a feeling that I can do anything and I don't have to utilize other people. I am methodical in my dealings and compromising with someone would in turn mean I have to change my ways. Mm. That's, that's seems more of an admission. Let me read real quick though. Laura, right? Laura Rayburn right under her said, interesting. I thought compromise rang a bell for me, but much differently. I realize I often compromise what I say I will do my stated priority based on what I think others want me to do, such as being late for work because I rescued my daughter and went back for her forgotten homework or staying late at work to finish a presentation. Even though I said I'd be home at six, various forms of people pleasing, Okay. Right. Well, so right before the show for disclosure, that's what you and I talked about. Yes. And that's kind of how I, I've read into the compromise as well. Like, you know, when, when something happens and, you know, you, you tend to give up what's most important to you in order for somebody else or a different situation, you're compromising when you don't necessarily want to, but you do it to make everyone happy. I, I do too. And again, we're not gonna, well, you know, folks, you can go get Carrie's book, which I would highly recommend. Didn't see it coming. Carrie Newhoff. And the last name is N I E U W H O F. Cause he gets into this. Cause I had to go in and read to see, okay, what does he mean by this? And he did this from, you know, research and experience and counseling with people. And so how he defines those, because honestly, Lindsay, uh, with that, what you described does more fit into at least how he gave the parameters more into a pride issue. Now I know he, he, he banked pride in narcissism and nobody wants to be connected or admitting to narcissism. Uh, but he, you know, he did separate those out. And if you focus on pride, don't think of a proud pre peacock so much as somebody, um, you know, and really maybe if we took it and then said, gosh, pride is, is, you know, going it alone, being a lone wolf. There is some not trusting of others. Where does that come from? It's not an arrogance aspect, but a more of an ingrained, maybe we learned somewhere not to, or thought that we shouldn't or yada, yada. I don't, I don't know. We're not here for counseling session necessarily. <laughs> I wonder what part of it though is tied to personality. Cause I, I'm, I, I love like the disc profile for personality. Yes. And, and when, when Lindsay was uh, describing, I'm thinking she's a high D she is a high D in that scale of somebody who is. D stands for dominance, but likes to be in charge, likes to do things their own way. And it's, there's actually some positives to that. Uh, but there's some negatives too, right? In, in that it can come across as maybe the pride or, or the, you know, not, not willing to compromise. But I don't know, as she was, as you were reading that, I was thinking, well, I bet she's a high D. Well, what you said though, in looking at this, if we're doing this as a personal audit, I mean, the question is, if, you know, if we're okay with where we're at, then we're okay. Don't worry about any of these things. If yeah. you have any inklings that there are some weak spots in your, in your life, some voids, some, you know, areas where you wish you had more success, then it's looking at these, trying to understand where do you fall in these? And again, I dug into Carrie's book. And yeah, when I look at pride, there are some aspects of that where the going it alone where, yeah, I love that from an entrepreneurial standpoint. That's what gives me a strength. I love a white piece of paper, blank sheet, man, and go for it. My wife does not like that at all. She wants a skeleton on there. Now she'll put the pieces together. Great. Cause once I've done the skeleton, I'm done. Uh, I'm ready to go on to the next thing or, 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 or whatever, uh, you know, but to look at that and go, 
some of that going it alone is handicapping me. I want to produce more. Therefore I have got to get out of that. So I have to deal with that. So, you know, Lindsay with yours, yours in some instances, you said you've been dealing with it or working on it on your, your whole life, but are you okay with where you are? Uh, if you are, you're good to go. Uh, if not, then it's trying to dissect that and break it down and understand what is at the root. And again, we're not, I'm not a counselor, at least Michelle. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell you, but we're trying to uncover, you know, I think a lot of these shows are getting things out on the table so that we can deal with them one. And also just realizing that, man, other people are dealing with this too. And hopefully we don't sit there in the ditch of feeling like I'm the chiefest of senders sinners and there's no hope. Yeah. And we're definitely not counselors, but I think one thing a counselor might say is, how's that working for you? <laughs> uh, I've had counselors ask me that. I've had my wife ask me that actually, I was just gonna say, yes. um, which is needed. Okay. Uh, TJ here says I'd have to go with number one, which is cynicism and number five, which is pride and narcissism. They kind of feed on each other. For me, I'm a perfectionist or as my disc, as you said, Michelle, my disc profile calls it a precisionist. Uh, I try to be the best I can in whatever I'm doing by studying and learning constantly. This just tends to be a, a tendency that I fall into. Um, that's interesting. So he's linking, he, I think the, uh, cynicism and pride. I, I can see that if you're a cynic, you know, it, it, it's almost kind of, kind of a stone thrower. If I go back to the Bible again, and, and of course, Jesus responds, he was without sin, throw the first stone. I think about that. Do I have a stone to throw? Have I arrived at, at whatever to throw a stone, to be cynical about whatever? I don't know. I don't I, I maybe again, we're getting in muddy waters here, but that's mm -hmm. interesting correlation there. TJ saying it feeds on him. He's a perfectionist and a precisionist. Yeah, that can probably lead into cynicism, being a cynic. And to pride. I, I, I get uh -huh. that. And if this is the TJ I know, it's actually a female, but it's, oh, okay. uh, I'm not sure the last name, but yeah, this, I can see how that could happen when something bad happens. You immediately go to a negative attitude. You know, that's just that, that cynical, like, well, well, that didn't work. Nothing's going to work, you know, that kind of thing. Um, which then could lead to, like you said, the pride of, well, I'll just do it on my own <laughs> or, you know. Yeah, completely. Yeah. It's it, interesting. It, so many of these are so connected. They are, they are. Um, you know what? If she, if it is, she, she goes on to say this leads to a tendency of being right. Uh, right. She has in quotes, a high percentage of the time, which in turn leads to pride in my knowledge and abilities on the flip side. The more I try to work on myself, the more I tend to notice the flaws in others, which feeds my cynicism. Gosh, that's a great point. We're here. We are. I mean, this is, we're in the personal development realm here. And as we are seeking to better ourselves to see what is the best way to do this, what is the, what is the, the, the healthiest methodology when you find that then of course your eyes are more open, not only to what you're doing wrong or unhealthfully, or that's not leading up to success, but also to what others are doing as well, which hopefully leads us to helping them. But absolutely, I can admit that it leads, it can leads to, to cynicism, to judgment. Um, judgment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a solution there, folks, just an admission and uh, you're not alone. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show.
I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are, and in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier, and Air Doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you don't love it just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN and depending on the model you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is a, an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they were hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. Uh, 
Uh, Jody Tooten here says, pride for sure. I am knowledgeable, strong, and confident in some areas, and I tend to not be concerned what others think. So it's easy to go it alone and walk in my own strength. Sounds like another uh, high D there, Michelle. Probably. The struggle is real with not appearing like... uh, like I know it all. Thankfully, I also know where that strength comes from in Christ. I can do all things. There are also enough areas where I know next to nothing that keep me humble, but I want to be more willing to learn from others. As I get older, I'm able to see more and more that there is so much more to learn, man. I can testify to that one as well. Um, you know, when she said the, uh, the pride and, and, um, you know, be, being the downfall, but something that she said made me think, I wonder if it's, if it's, not so much when she said she doesn't care what people think that can be a good thing and a bad thing, right? It can be a bad thing. Of course, like she's thinking it is, but it kind of can be a good thing too, because when you're strong and and confident in who you are and who you were created to be, sometimes you, 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 you grow past that point of caring what people think without you grow past being the people pleaser that, you know, I've talked about and that's healthy actually. But when it is a, you know, maybe I guess everything's situational. But. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you know, cause we all know people who really don't care what others think and they should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Kara here, this is interesting. Kara Goff. Um, I would say number four, as in the fear of being irrelevant, I have a deep desire to matter. Uh, I know I do, but knowledge and feeling sometimes don't align. Um, uh, and, and I don't want to feel ordinary. Part of the struggle of being a seven, the enthusiast on the anagram, uh, I suppose, also, number five, pride, is a close second as I have a very do-it-myself mentality and a high standard for myself and how I operate in life. I can struggle with defensiveness when someone insinuates I may not be able to do something because of my pride. And that goes back to, gosh, whoever said I have a hard time in, in, in the pride aspect of taking criticism. And, and that is something I have to continually work on myself as well. Um, yeah, I love how she says that when someone insinuates, I might not be able to do something. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I do love though, that she has that, that, and she shared the deep desire to matter. Yeah. I I mean, don't we all, we all want to make a difference. We all want to know that we're here for a reason to make, you know, and that we matter. Our thoughts matter. our, Our accomplishments matter. And I think I fall in that category sometimes if things don't go well, sure. I mean, we, we want to know that, you know, there, there's a purpose behind everything that we do and, and mm-hmm. it's to impact somebody else. And so I'm right there with Kara on that one. And yeah, yeah, I am too. Here's an in-depth one. Ryan Glenn, he says, I would have to say burnout. Uh, if you would have asked me this question six or eight months ago, I probably wouldn't have said, uh, that any of these things were challenging me. Uh, but then the voice in my head, then he says, then the voice, if I had said that, you probably would have thought I was prideful. Um, <laughs> but as I ponder this question today, it hits me. And honestly, it hits me hard. I believe I'm starting to experience burnout going by the information that was on your podcast a couple episodes ago. So he's talking about the interview with, uh, Carrie Newhoff. I own a small agricultural construction company and I love what I do and the impact I have on the people around me. My mentality has always been to work harder than anyone, but I think it's catching up to me. It's nothing for me to work seven days a week, 14 to 16 hours a day, months on end. Mm. But as I sat here pondering this question, I realized that my performance has been extremely down and I feel I am losing the flame that has been burning for some time. Some of it I believe has to do with finances, which currently is very stressful, but also some of it has to do with fighting for so long to build build a business that makes a difference and is very proper prosperous. 
While I believe I have made a difference, I also believe that if I am not careful that the end might be near as far as the business due to finances. So long story short, I guess that I need to figure out a way to make my dream come true, but maybe also enjoying other aspects of life. I'm only 30, but I have never taken a vacation in my life. And since I have been 21, I have owned a business and worked for myself. I believe it's time to change. Wow. I have to admit, I did not read all the way to the end of that. I had read part way. I knew how this started out. I didn't read it in. Goodness gracious. Ryan, thank you first off for uh, being vulnerable enough to post that. That's significant, man. You're at a crossroads. Um, and I, I, I agree with you and I would say, get some help. Um, this is, this is what I hear great testimonies for, for people who go and, you know, get a, a, a career coach, somebody who, to help guide you, especially from a business perspective, uh, Michelle, you deal with these folks every day. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I can kind of relate to, I mean, burnout is real, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you know, you, it started with all this passion and you're going and you're going. And then all of a sudden it just, if it stops, it's hard. It's just hard to, to get back in from what I've seen. And even in my own business, sometimes the burnout comes when what you started with the business evolved into something different, you know, mm. maybe something that could, you could do, or it could generate an income, but then it, it's, it may not still be what the intention was possibly, mm. but, but, the, but one other, all that to say, he's 30 years old. My gosh, what every business failure or success is just a learning experience for the next one. Mm. So I would say go take a vacation, first of all, mm-hmm. <laughs> and come back refreshed because I do believe that there is something to be said. I mean, it's why we have Sunday as the Sabbath. We need time to rest. And if he's going and going and going, never takes a break, never has a vacation. How could you not burn out is what I'm thinking. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's a there's a reason for, for Sabbath. And I don't say that just from a religious standpoint. We use that here in my, in, in my medical health and wellness world, a lot of Sabbath, sabbatical. Uh, a rest bottom line. It is, it is rest. And yeah, just I, what you said there that you're realizing that you're still putting in the hours, but your productivity is not as high your performance, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so to what, I know it's easy for us to say, Hey, you need to take a break, but mm-hmm. boy, you're at a, you're at a crossroads. I would absolutely get some counsel in on this. And also if you've run a business this long, even if it's eked along, you've obviously shown some success there. I would be massively surprised that there's not something to work with there, either growing, refining your current business or taking the skills, abilities, knowledge, experience that you have and transferring them elsewhere. You put in a, a lot of work, a lot of roots and I would, and this is not just, you know, motivational hype, but I would say, you've got a lot to build on. I mean, it's kind of like that, yes. you know, what if all this time has been the, the five years that the bamboo tree builds roots mm-hmm. before it shoots up 80 feet in a year, something like that. Again, that can sound pithy, but my gosh, I, I've experienced that. I've experienced slogging away at something and then finally see it come to fruition or something else that I now am capable of doing because of all that work, all that root building that I'm able to go in and jump and have a relatively, you know, the, the overnight success that took 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> and a mentor, like you said, that was great advice because sometimes people can see things that we can't see when we're so entrenched in the day to day and maybe just somebody else's perspective. And one little tweet could make me maybe make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Getting outside counsel. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, I won't for now, Ryan, I'll, I actually, I'm, I just posted your name up here. I'm going to try to follow up with you. Um, I would look for some coaching help, mentoring help, whether that's somebody you ask 
for, you know, for the cost of a lunch or whether that's, you know, you contract contracting with somebody to really get in depth and look at what's going on. My goodness. Thank you though. I think you just spoke for a lot of people. Definitely. Uh, Michael says for me, it's number six, which is emptiness. I live in the suburbs where there's no sense of community. I'm not in a relationship and years of dating have left me quite lonely and unfulfilled. With that being said, I live a life of gratitude because I know I am very blessed. Wonderful to hear that part, but man, I hear the you know admission of where you're feeling and where your heart is and emptiness is, uh, that's a, you know, he didn't list, Carrie didn't rank these, but at the core, that's the thing that we to some degree don't, don't want most is emptiness. Loneliness. Yeah. Yeah, Just feeling like nobody cares or, or you're, you're kind of all on your own. And, and if it's living in an area that you don't have the opportunity to be around people, that makes it tough. Uh, you know, but now I feel like there's so many opportunities for community online even, or community of people, like-minded people. Um, you know, for me, I, 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 feel very strongly to put yourself around people that you want to be like. And so to find, you know, events or, or things that are attracting those kind of people and then just go and get yourself out of it. Sometimes just breaking the routine can break some of that emptiness, loneliness, Um, but it's real. And I am, I I appreciate him sharing that because it's very real and a lot of people can relate. Yeah. And like Kara said before, and you pulled it out, you know, her desire to feel meaningful and, you know, I, I can, I, you know, here I am with so many businesses and employees and a huge family that does not keep me from the, the opportunity to feel empty. If I don't feel my own meaning, my own purpose, if I'm not doing things healthfully, no different than somebody who's, you know, single, not connected, uh, within relationships or work or whatever that they can. And so I don't think it's a merely a circumstantial thing, but it does come to, some understanding of our purpose of our mm-hmm. meaning. I know those words have so much, there's so much dilution these days because they're thrown around, but at the core of it, I, I have never seen, uh, if, if I, if I, uh, do the stats on people who do feel meaning, purpose, fulfillment, it comes when they know they matter to somebody, uh, yes. to some degree you know, in a healthy way, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm noticing just from these conversations too, the, the connection. So there's, we talked about the connection between the pride and the cynicism. Those two sort of can go hand in hand. One mm-hmm. may start before you know, the other, but then the connection between the emptiness and the irre- irrelevance, because, you know, if you feel irre- irrelevant, you feel like you don't matter, then eventually you're going to feel empty and, and, you know, how they, they all go together. But I see that all of those all lead to the path of burn burnout yeah. in a way. Yeah. I don't know if that's how the book, I haven't read the book, so I'm not sure if that's how it leads, but it seems like a very possible ending to all of that. He, he, uh, that one's one that comes out a lot. I think a lot of these can culminate into burnout ultimately, ultimately just like, uh, you know, just like Ryan talked about that. If we keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it at some point, you just can't sustain it. And you can call that burnout. But, uh, yeah, it's, again, it's, this is like, uh, this is like personalized medicine. It's, there's no cookie cutter response for anybody. Like you talked about early on, Michelle, with different personality profiles, we all experience things differently. We internalize things differently and how it's going to manifest. So we're looking at where are the, you know, where are the deficits in our life? You know, I, you know, I miss this James Buchanan, right, right after this 
one from Michael also said, I struggle with number uh, six, emptiness. Feeling empty is something I've struggled with in the past. I'm currently a full-time student with several part-time positions, partly for the money, partially to be part of something. I found that I feel empty and almost without feeling sometimes, especially when I get caught up in crazy to-do lists and lose the big picture. To slip out of that rut, I have to change my perspective, remind myself that the organizations I'm part of really can make a difference and that I can help others overcome their unique troubles when I magnify my own calling in life. Why not try to fill the emptiness with purpose? I often go back to a comment that a fellow saint said in my church group. We are so blessed. We have no real reason to not be stoked for life. Life's worth living. Mm -hmm. Anything worth doing is worth doing a hundred percent. Well, you know, Michelle, he said right there, somewhere at the beginning, losing sight of the big picture. Mm. I, to me, and again, this can be, I guess it can be personality style driven, but I have to have a big picture. I've got to have a futuristic, you know, we can call it a goal, but that, that, that word doesn't work for everybody, but something out there that I know I am working toward. And my gosh, to, to Zig's messaging so much, he talked, you know, hope, 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 hope. If you don't have hope in something. And I think I find myself, and I'm not going to say this is what we all need to do at all. Again, we're looking for health here, but sometimes I'll, I'll create things out there just to have something to look forward to. I think that's human nature a bit. It is so human nature. And, you know, when the hope factor really ties to gratitude because, and he said it perfectly, he's so blessed, right? So regardless of what's going on, focus on being blessed. So it's that focusing on being grateful for what you have. And, you know, don't we all want to feel that way, right? We all want to know that there's hope. There's a big picture. There's a reason that we're working on this, or there's a reason why we're here, but ultimately no matter if we know it or not, just to be grateful and know how blessed Uh, we really are. Grateful. Yes, I have. I went to an event the other night that was, uh, uh, part of financial talk, part of health talk, but uh, the guy leading it gave us all these, uh, he called them gratitude beads. It's a little, little bracelet here. I'll, I'll show, I'll show you, uh, Oh, I love it. Yeah, But he called them gratitude beads. And the the exercise every day is to go around, you know, with each one, grab one and say something you're grateful for. So we've all heard that in different aspects, but this one is kind of, I like the the kinetic aspect of it. It's on my wrist and it kind of, it almost kind of bothers me, which makes me, you know, look at it. Oh yes. Be gratitude. Be grateful. There's more and more and more, not just, uh, you know, pithy information put at it, but research on gratitude. It is brain training. It is. And, you know, I may have mentioned this on the last podcast, but something I started doing uh, a couple of weeks ago, I've I've always been pretty aware of gratitude and a gratitude journal and all, but I started every morning before I get out of bed, before, as soon as my alarm goes off, I can't put, pick up my phone or put my foot on the floor until I've thought of three things that I'm grateful for. And they have to be different every day. And it's, it's kind of become fun because every day I'm like, Ooh, what am I going to be grateful for today? Cause I can't say what I said yesterday. Yeah. And, and today I actually, I, I was laying there kind of getting excited about the three things I was grateful for. And it's just perspective, right? And it's just focusing. We can all focus on the bad it, or you can focus on the good at the end of the day. It's a choice. I, it is. And I, I, I'll admit that there has being in the personal development world, motivation, inspiration, sometimes I can, uh, I can discount it as, Oh, come on, you know, this, it's not all real, but when we take it out and just say, no, it, it, it is brain training. 
I mean, this is, this is, goes back to Zig's self-talk cards, what we tell ourselves, the input that we put in. And when I focus on what I'm grateful for, it changes my attitude. And this is my, my wife works with brain science scientists and uh, it changes the chemicals. I mean, it really does no different. You know, here, here, I'll give this to everybody. This is one of my favorite analogies. You know, when you go, it's going to sound, uh, here's an admission. So I have a, I have a, a little bit of trouble driving slow. So my entire, <laughs> my entire life, when I see a police car on the side of the road, I get that flush. Now, if I'm going 10 miles under the speed limit, it doesn't matter. I automatically get that adrenaline flush. I mean, it floods my body. I hate that. Uh, but think about that. Think of it. Those are literal chemicals that are changing. I mean, it changes the way my body feels like a hot flash, right? Think about that. So take that. Those are the things that we think and feel have real chemical realities in our body. So when we go through that practice of being of, of gratitude and what we can be grateful for, it's not, again, it's not just a hoodoo guru Pollyanna thing. It literally changes the chemicals and we see the next thing, the next thing that may be a negative thing with a lot more grace, a lot more tolerance. It changes the very makeup of our brains. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow. Yeah. And you know, there are people who may be listening thinking, yeah, but you don't know my life and I don't have a lot to be grateful for. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of the story that Zig would tell when he met a woman one day, um, he was at a speaking event, met with her backstage. She was, she was miserable. She hated her job. She hated her life. She was just like, and I don't believe in all the motivational stuff you're talking about. And he just asked a couple questions and he changed her perspective because all she focused on was what was wrong. Mm -hmm. And it was, well, do you like getting paid for what you do? You know, do you like the people you work with? Do you, you know, and she'd be like, well, yes, well, yes. Well, what if you focused on what you do like about it and not what you don't like? Cause we can always, it's just like mining for gold, right? You go miner mining for gold. They're going into a dark place with all this dirt. If you're just going in looking for dirt, well, you're going to find it. Yes. But you go in looking for that little speck of gold and you're going to find it too. So it's just perspective. It's perspective. It's huge. All right. Well, you know, we have so many here. I'm going to, I'm going to try to read a couple more real quick, but folks, if you want to read, there are a lot of submissions here that I think will hit home with a lot of you. You can find me on Facebook, agent K Miller. Uh, it's my personal page, but you'll see a Ziegler logo on there. And this was the posting from January 17th, 2018. There's still comments coming in. So you're welcome to go look at those and connect with people. But I think it'll, you know, it'll give you some grace for yourself maybe, but um, hopefully, uh, hopefully some fodder for being aware of where you're at and getting out of it. So here's one I want to read Susie Bradley. She says, uh, looking on the list, the two I've dealt with more than, uh, or or the one I, when I dealt with is, is number five. Um, I'm praying for recovery in this area. Number five is just pride, but knee jerk. Yes. Pride, uh, and a delayed choice to listen to the Holy spirit, narcissism in the form of a, of self-serving at times. I feel a lot of freedom from it now, but it can pop up from time to time living now by design, not by my defaults. Mm. So I was interested in that because of her just talking about narcissism and self-serving, because I think we, we actually had, I gosh, for disclosure here, Michelle, we actually had somebody post 
on this thread about narcissism saying that that was a, a, you know, a mental problem or something like that. Okay. We're not talking about that. We're talking about aspects of, as Susie said, self-serving and to that degree, I'm almost curious. I'm not going to make this statement, but it's hard not to feel like culturally we're, we are becoming more narcissistic when you go into a social arena and instead of people talking together, we all know that we all want to talk about ourselves, you know, generally, and it's rare to have somebody ask questions and, and, and treat other people about what's going on in their lives. Well, today we more often than not have every, those same people not even talking to each other they're on their phones, getting that and folks, if you haven't seen Simon Sinek, who we interviewed here on the show, uh, Sinek S I N E K. Um, the guy who wrote the book, start with why he, if you type in Simon Sinek millennials, he has a video that's been seen a bazillion times on millennials, but really on screens, on smartphones, on the dopamine hit. But if I look at that, I've got kids of all ages and you look at the culture and what's happening with them now to sit there and to be enamored with this little thing that's given us in his words, a, a little dopamine hit. It's hard for me not to feel like we are veering more and more towards a, a narcissistic bent. And, and I, so I don't discount that word. So let's take it out of the mental illness aspect of it and just say narcissistic self-serving activities to me seem to be on a rise as a culture. I completely agree. agree. And if, if you don't like the word narcissistic, um, it's just selfish. Mm-hmm. It is just thinking of yourself before somebody else. And, and, and we all do it to some degree in, yeah. in different scenarios, um, some more than others, <laughs> but uh it's, I agree that our, our, maybe because of the, the screens, maybe because of social media, but I, I see it more and more too in a, in a younger generation. But I, I also think, see it in my generation of people that are just like, no, I'm taking time for me. And I'm, I'm thinking about me. And there's a fine line between mm-hmm. doing what's best for you, which is just boundaries, right? And you do need to have those. And then doing what's best for you, and not having any regard for anyone else. And so what we're talking about is having no regard for anyone else. So want to keep those healthy boundaries. I love what you say, because I th- I feel like we tend to focus on the extremes, a person who does nothing but pour out to others and, and wears himself down. And the other person who sometimes the, that person recovering, who goes the other way and starts a life of only serving themselves. And that balance is you know going to be different for everyone. Thank you for pointing that out. I think that's, that's wise. Um, for sure. Yeah. I'm going to read one more here. Uh, Natalie Wilson, number one, she said cynicism. As I've gotten older, I realize this about myself. I have a hard time trusting people overall. So I question a lot of things and also struggle with doubt. The number one area this impacts is, uh, place this impacts is my walk with the Lord. I've also recognized that my cynicism and skepticism perhaps is a deeper rooted issue of how I see myself. It's easier to point the finger than look in the mirror. Uh, I wanted to end on that one because, you know, all of these issues, I'll read them again, cynicism, compromise, disconnection, irrelevance, pride and narcissism, emptiness, burnout. It's tempting to say that that's all, they all come from how we see ourselves, which is then how we see the world. It's kind of going back to the rose colored glasses or the, you know, crap colored glasses, I guess, but how we see ourselves, which comes to the heart of the message of Ziegler. And yeah, if you talk about his self-talk cards, which folks, you can always get at Ziegler.com forward slash self-talk. Um, you can get those and changing the way that we see ourselves. I don't know if there's any more powerful way 
to battle these things we're talking about, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Battle. It's a battlefield of the mind, really. And you have to, you have to take it hostage and, and just feed it, feed it the good stuff. And I do believe in the Zig's uh, self-talk card. I started mm-hmm. that when I was 18. I still do it. I've given it to my kids and it's, it's, you will always go in the direction of your thoughts. So why not put in where you want to end up mm-hmm. in first? Yes, absolutely. All right. We'll end right there. Good words, wise words, folks. Thank you for sharing your heart. It's always blows us away. I feel like I, I you know, I flip flop these shows a lot with you and Tom, and I think that you and I team, we get these vulnerable ones. We're, we're the, <laughs> that's our podcast, the vulnerable podcast. Uh, but I, it's a gift folks. I just, I want you to know when you share this stuff, you are speaking what uh, so many other people feel and don't write. And it's a gift for them to read it just as it is for Michelle and I to read it. Um, thank you all, Michelle. Thanks so much for your insight here. Thank you so much, Kevin. Well, friends, there you go. A deep, vulnerable show. My hope is you have some clarity on your greatest challenge right now. In which of the lists of seven might tempt to catch you unaware? Getting it on the table and being aware is just massive. Now you see it coming and you can adjust. If you get value from the show, please let us know. Leave a review in iTunes for The Ziggler Show. It helps people find us and it's a great gift to us. I'll share what's coming up in our next show after sharing some great resources with you. Coming up next in show 649, we have our Habits Show, where we walk through the seven spokes of the Ziegler Wheel of Life with Rick Hansen, our guest in show 647, where we talked about resilience and hardwiring happiness. In walking through Rick's habits, I was intrigued by his exercise of dwelling on being enough, that he at any moment is enough. And it struck me how often I don't feel enough and how people I know who I think are amazing, others think are amazing, the testimonies to their success are amazing, and yet they don't feel enough, and how that feeling perspective minimizes all of us unnecessarily. So I think you will be inspired. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.